This is the Comstock Report Podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. And now, here's your host, David Cruz. David Cruz with the Comstock Report. China is not going to stop buying our food. China's COVID recovery has not been smooth or assured. Does slower growth in China mean that the country will be buying less from us? The bloom is off the Chinese rose relative to its rate of economic growth. While Americans worry about inflating U.S. debt, China has run ahead of us with fiscal stimulus. Its property balloon was also more overinflated than ours. The Chinese economy has shifted into a lower gear, likely 2-3% to growth. Instead of 6-8% to as in the recent past, and some seem to think that means that they will buy less soybeans, corn, and food commodities from us. They did not live up to their Phase 1 trade commitment to rebalance our trade. Not keeping their word means that it will have significantly devalued in any future trade negotiations. The U.S. has maintained tariffs placed on China by Trump and has added additional restrictions and limits after Chinese investments in the U.S., as well as barring them from some activities and markets of strategic interest to U.S. national security. Chinese population growth has crested, and the population is aging, both of which provide a demographic drag. I do not see a direct correlation between the rate of economic growth in China and their food consumption. Beijing communists have to keep domestic tranquility, and one measure of that is keeping the populace well-fed. I have pointed out that when the Japanese economy contracted in the early 1990s, that many thought that their food imports would contract, yet their food purchases grew. People still have to eat, and China has always been sensitive about its food security. After all, Chinese soybean imports set another all-time record for the month of May at 12 million metric tons, up from the previous high of 11.2 million metric tons set in May 2020. I doubt that the economic growth in China is going to reverse if they can help it, and once diets improve, they will not go back to being starving peasants again. I expect that Chinese food demand will remain resilient. China has been trying to shift over from an export economy to more of a consumer-driven economy, where they generate more of their own market. Consumers make up 68% of the U.S. economy, while Chinese consumers represent a smaller 38% of theirs. That makes them far more dependent on global trade than are we. While I doubt that Chinese food demand contracts, they will exercise the free market to get the best deal they can. Brazil is by far the greatest beneficiary of trade tension between the U.S. and China, becoming China's first choice supplier. China has made investments in Brazil where that investment benefited trade infrastructure that benefits China. Lula da Silva went to China to talk trade, fully looking to capture market share. Brazil sees the United States as a primary commodity-producing competitor. Brazil is not a wheat exporter. It appears to view Ukraine more unfavorably than Russia. Where China buys their food over could be very politically influenced. Brazil exported 15.6 million metric tons of soybeans in May, most of which went to China. They are not happy with us and will seek out other suppliers when they can. Chinese demand has also been very market-driven, going where they get the best deal. A reason to think that is going to change. Trump put tariffs on Chinese imports and Biden maintained them. I think that China was looking for some kind of break from Biden and it didn't happen. Biden's policy is to reshore American industry. It's providing financial incentives to make that happen. I see U.S. multinational companies that had well-established supply chains that included China as an integral link that are now looking for ways to decouple from China. 
Berkshire Hathaway, for example, is drawing investment from both China and Taiwan because of the geopolitical risk. The war between Russia and Ukraine has set China back in regard to what it can do to expand its influences without risking grave consequences to their economy. I think that a weak stance in our helping Ukraine win their war with Russia translates into a weak U.S. policy stance on China. That comment could be directed at House Speaker McCarthy, who has withdrawn support for additional funding of Ukraine's war effort. That is grossly short-sighted. One of the GOP presidential candidates correctly described the war in Ukraine as a proxy war with China. That is what it is. The newly empowered alliance between the U.S. and Europe happens to be between China's best customers. While China and Russia profess to have a brother-like relationship, Russia is a liability to China. They have to be taken aback as to how the Western alliance has come together against Russia, causing Beijing to offer a transparent warning against the U.S. organizing a NATO-like alliance in Asia opposite them. That dog is already barking. China can see that were the sanctions employed against Russia expanded to include them, that their economic balloon would burst spectacularly. You've been listening to the Comstock Report. For more information on marketing opportunities, contact us at Comstock.com or call 712-227-1110. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits. Futures trading involves risk. The risk of loss in trading futures and or options is substantial, and each investor and or trader must consider whether this is a suitable investment. Past performance is not indicative of future results.